Listener Production. US stocks advance as the US debt ceiling crisis is a step closer to being resolved. And Aussie shares expected to lift to end the week with home lending data released. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Friday the 2nd of June. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, I always find myself a little more buoyed by things on a Friday morning. Well, you've got Carlton playing tonight, though, Tom. Uh, Haven't they well, lost four games in a row? Yes. Well, you probably didn't need to bring that up. That's probably a way of uh, actually putting a dampener on things, given the way that they're going at the moment. So uh, a lot of questions and fingers being pointed. Carlton supporters are very unhappy in Melbourne. Well, it's going to be a year of promise, and <laughs> it's not looking that way, yeah, Tom, well, unfortunately you could, for you. You could make that claim of many years gone by, but uh, there's very much a torch-wielding villager vibe uh, in really? Melbourne when it comes to Carlton's fortunes. It might be the colour of the jersey. I mean, <laughs> we did see the New South Wales women's state of origin yes. team lose to th- Queensland last night as well. I was well. wondering if you'd bring that up. But yes, the Quinella um, being rounded out with the ladies' efforts. Uh, congratulations. But anyway, let's uh, move ahead into the financial sphere because we saw an important vote get resolved in the US House of Representatives. This was in early Asian time yesterday and it played a part in buoying regional markets. I found it interesting that the ASX 200 was only up by a quarter of a percent in yesterday's trade. We're looking forward to a slightly better start this morning with the futures indicating the ASX 200 will be up by around 0.6%. Is there anything, Ryan, that makes you wonder about why we saw such modest participation in yesterday's rally? Well, we did see a strong rally at the end of last week, Tom, in anticipation of the debt ceiling You reckon that they've, agreement. Um, they haven't kept their powder dry, they've really run. It appears that way, mm. but what we are seeing in terms of the deliberations on US Capitol Hill is that the US Senate will stay in session until it passes a bill to lift the government's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. That was the words of Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. I love saying his name. A distant relation to Amy Schumer. She's a comedian though, isn't she? Well, you could argue that many politicians moonlight in that context, but let's not get into that. So the ASX 200 expected to improve by around 0.6% when we kick off later on this morning, according to the SPY futures. And this is a reflection of of what were solid gains for the US indices led higher by the NASDAQ, which rose by 1.3%. The S&P 500 rose by a percent. And the Dow Jones was up by a half of 1%. But Ryan, a day ago, we spoke about the consolidation where the tech stocks were concerned, but they were a bull at a gate again last night. We did see them extend their gains, Tom, and that's pushed the S&P 500 up almost 10% year-to-date ahead of well, the Friday jobs report. And... At the same time, the artificial intelligence frenzy continued. NVIDIA was up over 5% last night. That's right. So my favourite index of the moment, the index du jour, is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. It was up 1.5% overnight, having had a little bit of a consolidation the day before. It's up by about 12.5% in the last five sessions. So just to highlight some of the moves for those stocks that you mentioned, NVIDIA is up by uh, 30% in the last five days. Qualcomm and Marvell up by around 12%. So this is a very frothy landscape, Brian. A lot of talk about whether it's a bubble, Tom, but 
It's only been six months, so Whilst people not are quite talking there. about the bubble, there are people making money uh, on the back of this. It's a fascinating uh, inflection point in the history of uh, tech at the moment. So in terms of there was a lot of economic news last night that we need to unpack. So let's do that quickly. So we had the jobless claims. So Number of people claiming unemployment benefits for the first time. That's exactly right. And they lifted by 2,000. The 232,000 level last week remains fairly modest, which suggests that the job market in the US remains very tight. We saw employment, private payrolls from ADP lift by 278,000 ahead of tonight's payrolls numbers for so the can, May. So can I just interrupt you, right? And I know yes, sometimes may. people get annoyed because I'm interrupting you all the time, but I just want to demystify some of these titles for people. So Go the ADP employment report is an important private measure of jobs growth. It, the ADP group uh, processes paychecks. They're one of the most substantial paycheck uh, processes in the US, and they have their own measure of employment, and it's a precursor to the official government numbers. So it's like the entree in a degustation, isn't it? It's the <laughs> first taste. And so these numbers are always an, an important barometer of what we might expect in the government numbers. So I apologise for interjecting. Not a problem at all, Tom. So in terms of tonight, the official numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics is suggesting that consensus numbers have 195,000 jobs being added for the month of May, the unemployment rate ticking up a little bit from 34 to 3.5%, remaining broadly around 50-year lows. So and- just worth pointing out, we saw some rather solid job numbers last month. There was like 250-odd thousand jobs added to the US economy. Those numbers were stronger than expected. And as we have often discussed, the US labour market remains strong. If there's a direction that the needle might move in, it might tend towards being a stronger number, which is not going to be great for the market. Well, certainly the big focus as well tonight will be on wages. So we get the average hourly earnings and they could ease a little bit down to 0.3% for the month of May, that would take the annualised growth rate to 4.4%. But one of the big discussion points overnight, Tom, was some of the unit labour cost data that came out. I know it sounds a little bit turgid, that, but the price does, of labour... But, but let's sink- just quickly um, just pause there. These numbers, it's heaven is in the detail. So, you know, these numbers can often give us a foretaste of where things are going and when it comes to anything that's wage related inflation related these sorts of things can sometimes be unpicked uh, very very carefully well what we did see was the unit labor cost which is the price of labor per single unit of output i know it sounds very economics like that rebounded insomnia for people already (laughs) that rebounded at a 4.2 percent rate in the first quarter but that's a downward revision from 6.3 percent And why that's important is that that suggests that wage pressures may be easing somewhat and that could then corroborate into slowing inflation or price pressures. Yes. So I suppose the important point to make, to paraphrase all of that, previously the arrow on wages was pointing up. Uh, There is a slight hope, and I emphasise slight, that maybe that arrow is pointing sideways at the moment rather than down. So um, even that is enough at the moment. There were some quite encouraging inflation figures out of the Institute of Supply Management's survey of manufacturing. So this is another important barometer of activity within the US. But what I noticed within these uh, figures, Ryan, they were 
quite underwhelming. Uh, and, but within those numbers, the prices paid measure. Again, we're looking at these granular figures that are giving us some sort of sense of what might be coming down the pipe in relation to inflation. This prices paid number was substantially lower than what the market had anticipated. What we saw, Tom, was the seventh straight month where the PMI or the business survey for the manufacturing sector stayed below the 50 threshold, which indicates a contraction of activity, particularly in the manufacturing sector. That's the longest stretch since the Great Recession. So it's amazing. Which but, Great Recession are you talking about? Well, there's been multiple. The, yeah, I know. So are you talking about the GFC? Or you, um... Well, yes, the yes. GFC. We'll call, <laughs> we'll call it the Great Recession for now. We're a bit sick of GFC. And at the same time, the numbers suggested that with that contraction in goods, uh, demand in particular, goods orders and the like, and, and the, the slowing and improvement uh, really in supply chains, what we're seeing is that downward pressure on prices more generally. So yeah. less new orders, less supply chain snarls, lower demand and prices lower. Look, just quickly, Ryan, because I, I want to mention this uh, organisation because I know that you're fond of uh, some active wear and you've got a revived uh, physical regimen that you're uh, applying very diligently. So Lululemon is probably very much front of mind for you. Are you favouring any particular type of brand in your uh, fitness get-up when you head off to uh, the gym of a day? I typically wear New Balance. <laughs> New balance. <laughs> but Lululemon is a favourite of my wife's, so oh, okay. I have to mention that. So It's a great did, brand. We did see it's some very fetching um, items. Nice active wear, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. So we did see Lululemon shares surge in after-hours trade after reporting a 24% increase in sales growth, and it raised its full-year guidance, Tom. So that, that's very important. They have, in a challenging consumer environment, raise their revenue forecast and their earnings per share forecast. We won't get into the granularity of that, but they were substantial. In fact, let's get into the granularity. Their revenue forecasts were raised by $100 million. So, wow. you know, they've got uh, nine point nine and a half billion odd that they're expecting uh, for the full year. So a decent improvement there. But they spoke about better Chinese sales numbers significantly, Ryan. They spoke about lower freight costs. So, you know, high energy costs feed into higher freight costs. It's a tax on everything, right? So, again, these are those micro turning points that become so tantalizing when you see them line up across a couple of uh, spaces. So that's why, you know, I find those sorts of comments fascinating. And that really is testament to the improvement in supply chain. So we yes. have seen freight costs around the world fall back to levels that we saw prior to the pandemic in recent weeks. So... Those supply chain tailwinds, reducing freight costs, the boosting margins, that's all good news. One thing to point out, though, is the company largely caters to higher income consumers. So they right. tend to fare better against macroeconomic pressures. And, and really what we have seen is a continuation of retailers across the industry citing a pullback in discretionary spending on higher ticket they are very punchy, those prices, I must say. Those they, yoga pants. They keep me at bay, that's for sure. <laughs> Ryan, we have got an OPEC and allied producers meeting in Vienna this weekend. Of course, the natural home of oil producers, Vienna. Um, <laughs> yeah, this will be a very important outcome because of all of the argy-bargy that's been going on with uh, oil prices lately. You know, They have fallen quite substantially since the latter part of May, down by about 10%. 
a bit of a rebound last night. All producers should do well, but it's going to come down to what happens on Sunday in uh, Vienna. Well, Reuters are reporting that OPEC and its allies, which includes Russia, are unlikely to deepen supply cuts at their ministerial meeting on Sunday, and that drove the US NYMEX oil price up by 3%, Tom. Indeed. Uh, elsewhere, look, the moderation of the US dollar last night because of the resolution of at least part of that debt deal problem has uh, buoyed commodity prices in general today. So that should be a feature of what we uh, can look forward to in the uh, improved start for the local market. We, we also got a better than expected factory activity data point out of China yesterday. So Kaijin, as you would say, it's got its own private sector survey in China that was released yesterday, and we did see manufacturing unexpectedly expand. And on the back of that, we saw industrial metal prices broadly higher. The other thing to point out today is we've got an important wage outcome. So uh, this will be quite pivotal to the conversation as it relates to what the Reserve Bank might do and where we are in terms of inflationary expectations more broadly. Well, in terms of what's expected, the Fair Work Commission is expected to increase wages around 6%. Sounds eye-watering. but eye-watering amount of... Uh, th- that would typically or broadly match the current level of inflation. So that said, low-income earners are under a lot of pressure at the moment with cost-of-living pressures lifting and also borrowing costs increasing. And to that point, we get home lending data for the month of April today. Commonwealth Bank Group lending data suggests a large fall in April, about 1% decline, but that would follow a strong 4.9% lift in March, Tom. Indeed. Ryan, it's been a fantastic week in terms of market-moving information, and we've got a tantalising weekend ahead of us, so I invite you to enjoy that, and I'll miss you for the next two days. Well, I can't wait for Monday, Tom, (laughs) and I hope our listeners have a wonderful weekend too. Of course, stick around for this afternoon where you'll hear from both Stevie and Loz with the daily Comsec market update for Friday afternoon. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.